All right, Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, now this is Paul writing. He, he, he's writing to the Philippians. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And I want to do a study on so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray a blessing on this teaching, Lord. I pray a blessing, Father, on these people that come out tonight, Lord. I pray, Father, that it'd be like holy manna come down, Father, from you, and you would feed us, Lord. We want to be fed from you, Lord. We want to sit at your feet, Lord Jesus, and learn from you, Lord. I pray you teach us, Lord. Help us to stand with you. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. I want to do a study, and it's going to take us some weeks to do this, but I want to do a study on making a stand with Jesus Christ. Making a stand with Jesus Christ. If there's anything a Christian needs to be doing nowadays is making a stand. We need to start making a stand. We've been sitting around too long. We've been uh, rolling over, showing our belly too long. We've been uh, backing up too long. We've been crawfishing too long on some doctrine. We've been crawfishing too long on some our beliefs. We, we just need, sometimes we just need to stop and we just need to stand like men and say, you know what, enough's enough, I'm going to make a stand right here. And I, I want to do a study on that. I want to do a study on making a stand with Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't going to be a, an easy thing to do. When I got to studying this out, and uh, there was a book I have at home that kind of brought this to where I wanted to do a study on it. It's a discipleship program. And this is kind of a discipleship thing we're going to do. This study is going to be good for, for young Christians because this, this book I had at home, it was a big, thick book on discipleship. And the, the one subject of this was just standing alone. That was the title of the study, Standing Alone. And it went on to say, when you, start, when you get saved, and we all know this, when you get saved, you start realizing uh, not everybody's going along with this. Not everybody's happy with this. Sometimes we get saved and our family turns against us. Our co-workers turn against us. Uh, sometimes people in the church turn against us. I mean, sometimes you make a stand with Jesus Christ. It doesn't, it's not always an easy thing. And that's why I want to do this study. Because I want to show you that we need to make a stand while we're making a stand. And then what we should expect when we make a stand. And then what's, how we should handle that. What we should do with the, with the, with the uh, opposition we're going to get when we make that stand. And, and, and what struck me is that it, the, the, the title of that was Standing Alone. And I want to tell you this evening, guys. First off, first off and foremost, you're never standing alone. I'm not saying that wasn't a, it's not a good study. I'm not saying, but I just don't think they worded that right. You're never standing alone. Now, physically, you might be standing alone. You physically might one day, I hate to tell you this, brothers and sisters, one day you might physically have to stand alone and take the persecution. You might be at work and there might be no other Christians around. You might have to stand up and be alone. You might have to stand up at the grocery store. You might have to make a stand in your own church and just make a stand. But you're never standing alone. You've got Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm, I'm titling this, Making a Stand with Jesus Christ. Because it's so important to stand with Jesus Christ. Uh, when you get saved, you start serving the Lord, you realize real quick that uh, there's people that don't like your new stand. <laughs> they don't like it that you're standing for the Lord. They, they just don't like it. They, they, they rather have you go out drinking with them, get drunk, steal from them, take the car, wreck the car. Uh, beat, beat them up, get in a fist fight, be a troublemaker. You can be all those things, but as soon as you become a Bible thumper, as they like to call it, then they don't want to have nothing more to do with you. You notice that? 
They don't, and of course, they don't, make you, they don't mind you making a stand for women's rights. They don't, make you, they don't mind you making a stand for some political view. They don't make, mind you making a stand for some kind of social justice. But when you make a stand for Jesus Christ, they don't like that. They don't like that. They don't like that at all. Uh, I was do, I, I've read this uh, illustration years ago, and I've read it recently again. And I can't tell you what university this was, but there was this atheist. He came into this a university, and he was speaking at this university, and he was talking about how you don't need to believe God, you don't need to believe the Bible, and he was giving all the reasons, and he was very convincing, very convincing, and he was attacking Christianity, he was attacking the Bible, he's attacking God, why you shouldn't believe in God, and man, there was a hush over that whole crowd, and he was very convincing, and he, he said, I dare one of you to stand up and to give me a reason to believe in God or the Bible, and the place was just silent. And up in the balcony, way up in the balcony, there was one young teenage girl that stood up by herself and started singing, Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And then somebody else stood up and started singing with her, Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And then before long, the whole row and the whole crowd started, Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And that atheist, he was ashamed and he just snuck out the side door. It got too loud for him. One young girl had the courage and the guts to say, no, I'm going to stand up for Jesus. And I think it's worth, Jesus Christ is worth standing up for. If there's anything worth fighting for in this world, it's Jesus Christ. Now, I know we've talked about this a hundred times in here. I know how y'all feel about gun control. I'm right there with you. I'm anti-gun control. I love, I love my guns. It sounds like Governor Abbott's about to pass that bill where we don't have to have a, a registered license to carry a concealed gun. Praise the Lord for that. I'm happy about that. But when the government comes and they start knocking on my door and they're threatening to throw me in jail to where I can't feed my family and can't take care of that, I'm not going to fight for my guns. Now, I will do what I can politically to do it, but I'm not going to stand in front of my house with a the, with the gun shooting at the government because I've seen what happened in Waco. You don't win. <laughs> you can do that and make your stand. That's where you want to make your stand. God bless you. But when they come knocking on my door, and I think it's going to happen, they come knocking on my door and they say, we want your Bible, we want every Bible in the house, I'm going to say, you're not going to have them. <laughs> well, if you have a Bible, we're going to arrest you. Well, come on, take me on to jail. To me, that's worth standing for. That's something worth standing for, that you've got to make a choice. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. So we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, do an overview of what this study is going to be like, and then we're going to start the study. Ephesians chapter 6, real famous set of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. I'm going to do an overview of making a stand with Jesus Christ, and then we'll, we'll start the study. Verse 10, Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And who's, be strong in who? In the Lord. And whose power? In the power of His might. It's not your power, it's the Lord doing it. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. 
Love, Christians love to talk about putting on the whole armor of God. I, I prayed the whole armor of God this morning. I've heard Christians tell me that. I prayed for the, and, and God bless you. You need to do that. But listen, why are you doing that? Why are you putting on the whole armor of God? So God will bless you and give you a new Mercedes? Or God will bless you and, and give you some good health? No, you do the whole armor of God so you can stand. That's the reason you do it. Do you see what the Bible's telling you? You're doing all this because you're in a war, you're in a fight. And guys, when you're in a war and a fight, you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to make a stand. But you're not standing alone, you're standing with Jesus Christ. Verse 14, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching, therefore, thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, guys, that theme of the whole armor of God is stand. It's stand, and that's why he's telling you about the whole armor of God. That stand is used four times in there. The word stand is used four times in that little set of scripture right there. So, knowing all this, knowing that we should stand, now we're going to do a study of what this is. Now, I'm going to, give you, I'm going to list these out for you. This study is going to show you seven different things about standing with Jesus Christ. What this study is going to show you, the study I'm doing here, is going to show you seven different things to de that's dealing with standing with Jesus Christ. I'm going to list them out right now. Number one, why Jesus has you stand. Why Jesus has you stand. Number two, what you're standing for. What are you standing for? I mean, I know we need to stand, but why are you standing? You ever been at work and <laughs> somebody come by and, you say, and, and your boss says, what are you standing around for? What are you doing? <laughs> you got to have a reason, right? Well, you stand up, you got to stand for something. Number three, standing brings persecution. Standing brings persecution. The third thing we'll learn in this study is that standing brings persecution. Guys, that's what this study is all about, honestly. This study is going to be all about learning that when you make a stand, because the Spirit's going to tell you to stand. I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, being a Christian, the Holy Spirit in you, there's going to come times, it's going to be very uncomfortable for you, but the Lord's going to say in your heart, Stand. Now, I don't know, I won't be there with you. There won't be, might, be, might be another Christian with you, but the Holy Spirit's going to say, make a stand for me right here. Make a stand. You going to let them talk about me that way? <laughs> you ever had the Lord do that? I've had the Lord do that. Like speak to my heart and say, oh yeah, they're going to say that about me? I mean, it's not an audible voice, but you just feel there's something inside you. Burning inside you. Jeremiah says, it's a fire inside me and I can't keep my mouth shut. I got to talk. Anybody who's been in sports knows exactly what that is. When your spirit gets stirred up, when your spirit gets stirred up and you're like, uh-uh, no more of this. I'm going to make a stand. I don't care if I, you can beat me, you can whip me, but I'm going to stand against you. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to make a stand. But if you stand, it's going to bring persecution. The fourth thing we'll find out is the benefits of persecution. There's benefits to being persecuted. There's benefits to being persecuted. There's forms of persecution. So the fifth thing we'll learn is there's forms of persecution and what those forms are. In other words, how will you be persecuted and what would that be like? The sixth thing we'll learn is the reason 
of the persecution, the reason for the persecution. There's reasons why people are persecuting you. You know, you wonder sometimes, why are they persecuting me? Well, the Bible tells us, and we'll learn those. And the seventh and last one is, and the most important one is, what's the solution to the persecution? What should you do when you're under persecution? Guys, there's no doubt, I don't have to teach you, I don't have to tell you you need to make a stand. I think y'all know, yeah, we need to make a stand. But when we stand up, what are we standing up for? And that's what this study's going to be. So first off, before we get going very far at all into this, let's look at why Jesus has you stand. Why Jesus has you stand. Turn to Mark chapter 3. There's a reason Jesus has you stand. Turn to Mark chapter 3. There's a reason why Jesus has you stand. There's two reasons. There's two main reasons Jesus will have you stand. And I'll give those to you. The first reason will be he'll, he's going to, Jesus will have you stand to prove something. Jesus, and the second reason is Jesus will have you stand to do something. Jesus will have you stand to prove something. And Jesus will have you stand to do something. The first one's found in Mark chapter 3. Look at verse 1. And he entered again into the synagogue that he would be Jesus. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. So they're sitting around waiting for Jesus Christ to do something so they can accuse him of being a blasphemer, a lawbreaker. They're just watching Christ. They're not there to, to hear what he has to say. They're just watching him. And this guy's there and he has a withered hand. And look at what Christ does. Jesus does in verse 3. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto him, Is it lawful? He saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. So this man, this man with the withered hands there, he's not there to accuse Jesus Christ. He just happens to be there when Jesus Christ comes in. He's just sitting there. He's minding his own business. He's going to synagogue like he thinks he should. He's dealing with an infirmity. He's dealing with the withered hand. He's going in there to learn more about God. But those Pharisees are there. They're there to attack Jesus, and they follow Jesus in. And here's this poor old guy minding his own business, got the withered up hand, and Jesus walks over to him and says, Hey, stand up. And, of course, anybody that gets a command from Jesus Christ obeys, Amen. He stands up, and then as soon as he stands up, he looks around at the Pharisees and he says unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. Everybody knows the answer to that. Verse 5, And when he had looked around about it on them with anger. <laughs> Let's stop there. That's not the Joe Osteen Jesus. Okay, that's why it's so important to read your Bible. That's why it's so important to study this stuff out. Because you start finding out Jesus Christ has got a personality. There's things that makes, that makes Jesus Christ angry. And this is one of them. Here's a poor guy who's withered up. He's living like this, in pain, in misery. No telling how long. Look, withered up. And, and he's, he's dealing with this. And they don't want Jesus to heal him. They're saying, wait another day to heal him. Jesus Christ says, should I not be doing the right thing today? Stand up. Stand up. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. He says, hey, stretch your hand out. And that guy's hand 
healed. He didn't slap him on the forehead. He didn't get a bunch of people up there chanting. He just said, hey, you're healed right there. And he just, whoo, look at that. Healed him up just like that. That's what I love about Jesus Christ. He didn't have to drop money in the offering plate. Things happened. When he said they happened, they're going to happen. And verse 6, And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. That's one of the first clues of what this study is going to be about. Somebody makes a stand for Jesus Christ, and somebody wants to get killed for it. Let's kill Jesus. Let's kill that guy that got healed. Let's kill them all. He's with Jesus. Kill him. When you make a stand with Jesus Christ, you will get persecuted. That's one of the first clues of what this study is going to be about. But right now we're focusing on this. Jesus Christ will make you stand sometimes just to prove a point. Here's the problem with modern-day Christianity. They know Jesus Christ does things in our lives to prove something, right? Like, God's going to heal me to prove to all these doubters that He's wonderful. Amen? We believe that, right? And I've seen God do it. I've seen God work in amazing ways in people's lives where I'm saying, praise the Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus. But sometimes, sometimes the Lord does Something that we don't like to prove something. You remember the story of Job? Job, perfect man. God said he was upright in all his ways. And what does God do to Job? Hey, devil, have you considered my servant Job, how good he is? Oh, man, he's a good guy. Look how good he is down there. He's setting Satan up. Satan says, well, the only reason he's like that because you have a hedge of protection around him. And God says, okay, we'll go down there. You can do everything you want to to him. Just don't take his life. Don't touch him. God allowed him to do something. Why? Because God was proving something. God wanted, God wanted Job to stand so he could prove something to the devil. The Lord might be bringing something into your life. and It might, not be, it might be something you don't like. <laughs> Just to prove something between you and the devil and the world and to show the devil and the world one thing that no matter what you go through, you're still going to love Jesus Christ. You're still going to have faith in Jesus Christ. Making a stand, making a stand. Jesus will make a stand to prove something. He'll make a stand to prove something. Look at Acts chapter 26. Look at Acts chapter 26. Well, I bet y'all wishing we turned the air conditioners on when I offered it earlier, don't you? Maybe I'm up here at the top, at the, the pulpit. Man, it's hot up here. Acts 26. Verse 12, Acts chapter 26, verse 12. Acts chapter 26, verse 12. Now, I showed you that Jesus Christ will have you stand to prove something. Now, I'm going to show you that Jesus will have you stand to do something. As simple as that. Whereupon, verse 12. Acts chapter 26, verse 12. Now, this is Paul, and he's recounting to Agrippa, King Agrippa, how he was converted to Christianity. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, above the, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking on me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. What's he mean by that? What's Christ mean by that? Jesus is saying, Paul... The pricks of your conscience, they're hard to kick against, aren't they? 
Paul, his conscience was pricking him when he was arresting these Christians. And Christ, Jesus Christ knew it, and that's why he was asking him, why are you persecuting me? When did Paul take Jesus Christ and beat Jesus Christ? Never. When did Paul take Jesus Christ physically and hit him, beat him, persecute him? Jesus Christ is resurrected, sitting on the right hand of God. But it says here, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Because when you attack a believer, you're attacking Jesus Christ. When you're persecuting a believer in Jesus Christ, you're persecuting Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, when you make a stand for Jesus Christ, you're not standing alone. And you might stand up and you might, say, you might stand up for Jesus and people laugh at you. You might get red-faced and embarrassed, and I have. You might make a fool of yourself. You might stammer all over your words, but you're not standing alone. You're standing with Jesus Christ. You're standing with Jesus Christ. Verse 15. And I said, and this is Paul said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet. There we go. Why? For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. What purpose? To make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and those, uh, those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, he's saying, I'm sending you to the Gentile to do what? To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Why? That they may receive forgiveness of sins. Amen. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's you. That's me. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thanking Paul because what? Because Paul stood was told, Paul, stand. I want you to go. But Paul could have said, no, I'm just going to sit right here. I'm going to sit on my couch. There's something good coming on TV tonight. I think I'll just stand. Just sit right here. I don't think I would feel like standing. Guys, when we get to heaven, and I believe this is all my heart. I believe this with all my heart. I believe this all my heart. There's men that are more qualified than me, I know smarter than me, that God called out here. And God called out here. And God called out here to Indian Gap. And there's so many men that said, no, I'll go somewhere else. No, I'll sit right here. No, I'll stay seated right here. And I was one of the last ones on God's list. Probably he has this long list. And he goes, well, there's this trash guy right there. Let's try calling him. And I'm like, oh, okay. And Brother Tud, he hoodwinked me into coming out here. And here we are. If you'll make a stand for Jesus Christ, great things will happen. And he, but he'll, he'll make you stand, not just, sometimes he makes you stand to prove something. Prove something to the devil, prove something sometimes to yourself. Can you sit out there tonight and say, man, there's no way I could go through that. You hear of stories of people dealing with something and you're like, there's no way I could go through that. And God says, I, I want you to prove you can. I remember as a young man, and I was, I'm going to say a young man, I'm saying I was like 27, 28, 29. I remember sitting out, out in the pew and listening to Brother Packer preach, and I'm like, how does he do that? I could never do that. <laughs> I remember saying that with my, I remember that, like it was yesterday. I said, I could never do that. And somewhere up in heaven, somebody, up in heaven, the Lord said, oh, watch this. <laughs> Amen. Amen, I'm going to prove you can. 
You be careful what you think. You got to be careful what you say, more importantly. The point is, is sometimes the Lord will stand you up to prove something to you, yourself, to your family, to the devil, to the world. And sometimes the Lord will make you stand because he has something for you to do. You're not just standing just to stand around. You're standing to do something for Jesus Christ. You're making a stand for Jesus Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. I just preached on this a couple of Sundays ago, and I, and I purposely didn't read this verse because I didn't want to get into it. I was trying to be nice and kind a couple of Sundays ago. On Easter Sunday, I had two different, I had two different people after the Easter Sunday. I was so happy after Easter. I was in... I was in a wonderful mood. I mean, I had a wonderful Easter service. I just, I just felt so good. And I walked out the back door and somebody said, man, that was a hard message, brother. Really? I thought I was being kind. I was pretty hard. And I had somebody else come up to me and say, well, it's kind of a hard message for Easter Sunday. I'm like, really? So I thought, man, I got to check myself. I'm, being, I'm stepping on toes. Not even mean step on toes. So I said, I'm gonna, I, I want to preach on grace. And the Lord's li- I want to preach on grace, but I'm specifically not going to mention verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. Because I preached verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Amen. I love grace. That's the greatest. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You don't have to work for it. God just gives it to you. Praise the Lord. That's a great message. But verse 10. I left it off on purpose. I didn't, want, I didn't want somebody else to stop me out there. That was another hard message, brother. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Guys, you're saved to do something for Jesus Christ. That's why you're saved. God didn't just save you to put you on a couch. God didn't just save you to get on his welfare plan. He didn't just save you. Say, okay, you're saved. Now go sit over in the corner and I'll come get you. Just go over there. God, Jesus Christ never said anything like that. Jesus Christ said, go ye, go ye, go ye. It's all about go, get out, spread the news, spread the gospel. He says, whatever you're hearing whispered in your ear, you, when I'm gone, you get up on the rooftops and you yell it. Jesus saves. That's our Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a mover. He's not just a sit around and, well, let's, he's a mover. He's a, let's stand. Let's get something done. Let's make a stand. Listen, the reason why this country's in such bad shape is because we have people, wicked, evil people, who are making a stand for what they believe. And the squeaky wheel gets the oil. They're squeaking and crying. And, and oh, okay, okay. We won't say that word. We won't say that word. We won't do that word. We won't. Oh, okay, we'll get rid of all the cops. We'll just get rid of all the cops. They're squealing like little pigs. That's what we need to do for Jesus Christ. Make a stand. Say, no, no, Jesus Christ is the only way. Well, I think there's many. No, 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 Jesus Christ is the only way. Well, I don't like you for saying that. I don't care. Sometimes, man, I just like being honorary for honorary's sake. And sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder if the Lord didn't call me just because I, I just want to go against the grain. Everybody's going this way? Okay, I'm going to go that way. Listen, the salmon swims up, the living salmon, it swims upstream. Any dead fish can float down the stream. And they're all dead floating right past you. And we're just trying to swim it upstream. Me be different. It's coming. 
Christianity is so looked frowned upon. Christianity is so mocked, so made fun of. There's going to come time where our young kids, they'll be the first ones to turn. They'll be the first ones to turn. Our young kids right now, they'll be one, to, they'll be one day say, my mom and dad don't like God. My mom and dad don't like Christianity. I'm going to become a Christian. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. There'll be a great revival in the kids. While the old people say, yes, oh, I don't want to put up with that. I, all they want is your money. All they talk about, look, that's, you, that's, I hear all. I hear all of that. Let's make a stand for Jesus Christ. He's worth it. I think he is. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Unto good works. This is a good place to stop. Because I think I got us going pretty good there. And I'll, I'll, I'll just shut it down right there. I think we got a good, I think we got a good enough uh, study out of that. There's a pastor up in Canada. And I'll close with it. There's a pastor up in Canada. I love this guy. I don't even know him and I love him. They came in on his Easter service. I think I talked to you all about that. They came out on his, in his Easter service up in Canada. And they came in. The health inspector came in. She had her mask on. And she brought in some cops with her. And they have a video of him, and, he, and they're at the bottom of the stairs, and they want to come in, and they just want to sit at the back of the church, and they want to make sure everybody's social distancing and that everything's being done correctly. So you know what that pastor did? He got up, and when they started trying to come in his front door, he walked up and he said, get out, get out. You can go on video. It's on video. You can go watch it. He said, get out of here, you Nazis. Get out. You're Gestapo. You're wicked. You're evil. Get out. Get out. And she's like, we're just here to... And he's like, get out. Get out. And, she, and even that cop's like, hmm, okay. Well, I guess we'll just, I guess we'll just get out of here. Uh, get out. Nazis. Trying to do this on Easter. You know what you're doing. That's what he told them. Two weeks later. Well, no, three weeks later. When was that? Four weeks later. Just this last Sunday, they tried to do it again to him. <laughs> That's how stupid they are. I guess they thought he would be in a better mood or something. Same thing. You said there's a video up there. Get out. Get away. I don't want to hear from you. Well, you know, we're just here to. I, 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 I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you. Go talk to my lawyer. I just, do you have a warrant? No. Get out. <laughs> make a stand. Man, make a stand. I don't know about y'all, but I believe in the liberty we have in Jesus Christ. Governor Abbott, I love the man. I, I don't know much about him, but I'll tell you this. He does not give me the liberty I have in Jesus Christ. He does not give me the right to worship here. He does not tell me what to say or when to go or when to open these doors or when to close them. God gives me the right to do what we do, and I'm not changing it for nothing. And if they have a COVID restriction, they say, oh, it's getting bad again. We need to shut all the churches down again. Where you shut your church down, I'm not shutting, my, shutting mine down. We need to make a stand. And if they come arrest me, that'd be the best thing to happen. Man, we'd, get all, we'd be on CNN. We'd be all over. Be, our church would fill up. Amen. Man, they'd be dumb enough to come arrest me. I'd be smiling all the way. Oh, I can't wait to get on Fox News on this one. Praise the Lord. Make a stand. Make a stand. Make a stand. We need to make a stand for Jesus Christ. But we need to realize, too, it's persecution coming. I'm not going to fool you. I'm not going to lie to you. It's fun. I, I enjoy making a stand for Jesus Christ, but it comes with a price. And Jesus warned us. Hey, you know, they hated me before they hated you. 
Remember what they told that when Jesus Christ told that man to stand? They said, okay, now we need to kill him. So we're going to talk about that, but it's, it, there's benefits. There's benefits to standing for Jesus Christ. There's benefits, and you might not believe this, and I'll show you in the Bible, but there really is benefits to being persecuted. There really is. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Father, and I know I've got a lot of zeal for you, Lord, but uh, I turn on the TV, I, walk down, I, I drive down the road, Lord, I see some of these churches that we have around this area, Lord God, it makes me sick in my stomach, Lord, that just rolled over. The last thing they have on their mind, Lord God, is winning souls of Jesus Christ. I don't even know if they even know about you, Lord. And Father, I see that they've changed their name. They're afraid to even mention what the biblical truth is, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord, that these men and women, Lord God, that you'll give them the spirit, Lord God, to do what's right. And Father, not to, not to get them persecuted, Lord, not to make them lose their jobs or anything like that, Lord, but just to, just to make a stand, just to make a little bit of a stand. They don't have to be loud. They don't have to be boisterous, Lord, but just... Like that young teenage girl, just stand up and sing Stand Up for Jesus. And just do something that shows that they love you. Lord, we do love you. And we can't show you enough how much we appreciate you and love you. But Lord, if we get a chance, Lord, help us. Help us to be courageous and just to stand up. Just stand up for Jesus. And I pray all this in his precious name. Amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath 
of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.